I'm not sure that even getting to the Celestial City and Pilgrim's Progress can match uh, this awards ceremony tonight and all of your singing. I don't know. I, uh, I actually wanted to give an award to Mark. I was going to award you my sandals and white socks, but I... Uh, but you'll have to come out to New York to get them. All right? <laughs> okay. Do we have... Do you have the artwork up here? Oh, it's on the computer. All right, here we go. First is honorable mention. Now, there's no award for this, but it is honorable mention. I'm scared by just looking at this piece of artwork. Do you have the honorable mention one? Don't ask me to operate the computer. I don't know how to. No, it's, it's disconnected now. Oh, okay. okay. Well, it was up there. Okay, the honorable mention. The honorable mention award is to Soraya Phillip. Soraya Phillip. Okay, I'll put it down. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll put them down here so you can see them. You have the awards, Jason? Okay, then the third place award goes to Adelaide. Adelaide. This is third place award. Where's Adelaide? Is she here? You don't look like Adelaide. You look like Pastor Wagner. Are you Adelaide? Congratulations, dear. There you go. There's your award. Second place award. This is really a scary one. I don't want to look at these things in the middle of the night. This is drawn by Maddie K, age 11. Second place award. Oh, we don't have Paul up here to do the drum roll. First place award, and this is, that's a really quite a good one. Here we go. First place award goes to Samuel. Samuel. All right, congratulations. Can I do a prayer request? Sure. Okay. Um, I got a text from Chris Hartshorn, who's our pastor at Anaheim Hills. This is a prayer request for everybody he requested. Um, Kathleen Masich is a woman in our church at Anaheim Hills. She went in for a hip surgery. She had some complications, but she came through it okay. But in the process of the doctors doing the full examination, they found a brain tumor. So they asked for prayer. Uh, she's got to heal from the hip surgery, and then she's got to go straight into, into surgery for the tumor. So, uh, Pastor, do you want to just lead us in prayer? Okay. Kathleen Masich. Kathleen Masich. Kathleen Masich. Okay, let's pray for Kathleen, okay? Our Father, we are thankful for the way Matthew came through his surgery this morning. We pray for his continued healing. And now we pray for Kathleen Masich. We are thankful, Father, that, is, that, that the care shown toward her and that they did find this tumor. Hopefully they found it when it is small. We pray that as she goes through surgery, you would use the uh, hands of the, of the surgeons and all the treatments that are done to the end that the tumor would be removed, to the end that all the cancer cells would be removed as well. We long that you give her peace, too. Give her that peace that passes all understanding, guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ. We commit her to your care. In Christ's name, amen.
All right, young people, what's, what commandment is commandment number four? Oh. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Very. Which commandment is the eighth commandment? You shall not steal. Uh, which commandment is you shall have no other gods before me? First commandment, very good. Which commandment is you shall not covet your neighbor's up? Tenth commandment. Which commandment is the sixth? You shall not kill. Which commandment is the seventh? Don't commit adultery. Very, very good. Which commandment is the third? Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And what's the ninth commandment? I love that one. What's the ninth commandment? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Excellent. Very, very good. Turn to your Bibles, please, to Psalm 23. I, uh, I missed seeing Steve Butters here this year. I remember him from the conference from years ago, and uh, knowing something of the physical condition that he's in, I, um, I would like to uh, consider this presentation tonight uh, with Steve especially in mind. Psalm 23. The Lord, and as Christians, we know that this Lord is the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside literally waters of rest. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness or right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall literally pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And one, one other text, Luke chapter 16 and verses 19 to 22, the first part. Luke 16, verses 19 to the first part of verse 22. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And in his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side, which is another term for being with the Lord's people who had preceded him in death. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, now we ask that as we come to this concluding session for the camp, we were thrilled with the awards and we're thrilled, our Father, with singing and the joy. And so it seems a little bit out of, out of uh, form for the evening to consider the subject of death. But Lord, we're not considering the subject of death as non-Christians do. We consider the subject of death as Christians, as those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so all of the joy and the, and the triumph of what we feel this evening in a real sense is a wonderful framework for the joy 
and the framework and the joy and the victory that we will hear about tonight as Christian and hopeful finally arrive at the celestial city. Grant your blessing now as we meet, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens, said Woody Allen. Life is for the living. Death is for the dead. Let life be like music and death a note unsaid, Langston Hughes. I go to seek a great, perhaps, Francois Rabelais. It's nothing to die. It's frightful not to live, Victor Hugo. The meaning of life is that it stops, Franz Kafka. And from a cemetery in the very town in which I was brought up in northeastern Connecticut, on a very, very expensive tombstone, going, I know not where. Tonight, as you look at the information in your bulletin for a lot of reasons, and I were going to not do all that's given here, all I want to deal with this evening is crossing the Jordan, the experience of death. And children, I hope that you'll uh, understand as I'm speaking primarily to the adults here, but if you can find a place that you can draw the River Jordan and the experience, that would be good. And then we're going to deal with home as far as thinking about heaven after Jesus comes back. Uh, well, we'll have to wait till he comes back <laughs> to find out what that's about. Uh, but for the sake of time this evening, I just want to cover just these two areas. How different is the view of death to Christians than the view of death that was presented in those quotations? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the grand, the great, great big picture of what happens after death for the believer can simply be described as glorious. Glorious as we think of soul separated from body, the soul of the believer being in the immediate presence of the Lord, and then after the Lord returns, new heavens and new earth. Glory is the only word you can use that even begins to describe what that is. It's getting it's getting to that glory that is the challenge, as so many have said in one way or another. I'm not afraid of death, but I am afraid of dying. And you'll notice that that, of course, is the great quandary for the unbeliever in Hebrews chapter 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Christ himself, likewise partook of the same things that, listen to this, this is gospel, this is good news, that through death... He, that is Jesus, might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Tonight, hopeful and Christian cross the Jordan River. 
The Jordan River is a metaphor for death. And children, you can begin to try to depict this, the dying experience of believers in Christ. The range of biblical data about this subject is really quite interesting. It's interesting, the Old Testament doesn't say a lot about death. You have texts like this. Uh, There is no discharge in this war. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 8, it is a battle. We read Sarah died. We read that Abraham breathed his last and died in good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered to his people. Rachel, giving birth to Benjamin, died. Her soul, we read, was departing, for she was dying. And Isaac, we read, breathed his last, and he died, and he was gathered to his people, old and full of days. So you don't read that much about death and what it is in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, as you read about Christ's death, you hear this language, the cords of death encompassed me in the Psalms picture of Christ's death. His death is unique. His death is unique for this reason. It's an atoning death. The shedding of his blood in death brings about the payment of the punishment for death. The death of Christ is the death of death in the cross. And his perfect righteousness is that perfect ground and the only perfect ground on which we can stand before God holy so that God justly then in Christ can take us to glory. And in the New Testament we read these things. Death is still an enemy. It's the last enemy. But you read this. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. To depart and be with Christ is far better. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And for you children, this is what this means. You are made of soul and body. Okay, you see your body. But that which makes your fingers move and makes your eyes work, makes your mind work, makes you think, that's something that we call the soul. You can't see it. But it's what you are made of. Man is in the image of God is body and soul. And this is what death is when you experience the death of a, of a not of a pet. It's very different with animals. They don't have souls, but the death of an aunt or an uncle or a friend. It's a sad thing. What's happened? The soul has separated from the body. And in the case of believers, that soul goes immediately into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Stephen, as he is being martyred, as he's dying, as his life is ebbing, says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And you read this language. And he fell asleep. Now, he died. But he was a Christian. He really didn't die. He fell asleep. And that's how Christ transmutes, changes death. It becomes a sleep. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed or transformed. Those who sleep in Jesus, Paul uses as a description of those who have died in Christ. And I'm not even convinced, brothers and sisters, that death is a term that we should use for Christians. I am the resurrection and the life, said the Lord Jesus Christ. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And 
Everyone who lives and believes in me will, what? Never die. I'm not convinced we should use that term for a believer. The believer sleeps in Jesus Christ. Not death, people will say, but dying. What's the experience of dying? Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And that gives us something of a description of the dying of a believer. Psalm 23 and verse 4 has been called a pillow. It is a dying pillow to thousands of the saints of God, wrote a writer of old. Not just death is here, but the experience of death, the shadow of death. Any, any death experience in life can be called the shadow of death. That language is used in Job several times, but here it does, I think, specifically refer to death itself. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's a valley? It's a place of darkness. It's a place where enemies would hold out. Valleys were scary places, to say the least. Valleys by the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful that Jesus in the saints can be present as well, as they are with them as his instruments to bring comfort. But yea, I am with you always. And that means there's no fear. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, there are fears, and we'll hear a little bit about that at points, but at the end of the day, at the end of life, and the true believer, that fear is taken away. And remember it is, I love this, the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, the shadow of a dog, children, can't bite you, right? The dog can, the shadow can't. And so the shadow of death means death can't hurt you, but it can scare you, as shadows can. And also we miss this, when there's shadows, there must be light. And Jesus is the light who is with his people. And Jesus also gives what Bunyan would call the shining ones, the angels at that time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So I walk through the valley. The language means to take your time. There's no rush. So I walk through it. But when you walk through something, it means there is an exit. You get through it. There's an end. Your rod and your staff, many believe that that's not two implements, but one, just representing the power of Christ. But I think far better, there's a staff that holds you and moves you along, even can pick you up when you are weak, and a rod to protect you, particularly from the assaults of the evil one that you'll hear about can come even at death. The rod and your staff, they comfort me. We'll hear more about that later. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry out to her, her warfare is ended. I have paid double for all of her sins. Charles Spurgeon said of that precious text, Psalm 23 and verse 4, Saints have laid their head on this pillow, and they have passed into glory with calmness and assurance 
and confidence. And as you bring the gospel to others, I don't think, I think there's very few other ways that you can better do it by using Psalm 23 to unbelievers, many unbelievers even know Psalm 23 and to tell them this is the Lord Jesus and these are sure promises. And especially to the dying believer in Christ whose confession is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, Psalm 23, what a tremendous, tremendous comfort it is. Okay, so that's just something of, of our material about death and the dying experience. But finally, let's go to John Bunyan. John Bunyan says these things far better. And not all of this have I read, but children, if I had a dollar for every time I have read at least portions of this to dying saints, I could take you out for a wonderful New York pizza. But you have to be in New York to get that. Because so often I have used, and I hope pastors, you will avail yourself of this wonderful description of Christian and hopeful. Christian had assurance of his salvation. Hopeful was always struggling for it. And watch how the tables get turned a little bit as they encounter the river of death. Children, get your crayons ready for picture number one on the Jordan River. Now, writes Bunyan, I saw that between hopeful and Christian and the gate, the gate to the celestial city, was a river. But there was no bridge so that pilgrims might cross over. And moreover, that river was very deep. So Christian and hopeful were shocked at the sight. But the men escorting them declared, you must pass through this river or else you cannot arrive at the gate of the city. And then the pilgrims asked if there was any other way to the gate. And the shining ones answered, yes. But no one else has been permitted. We'll see how well you know your Bibles here. No one else has been permitted to travel that way since the foundation of the world except Enoch and Elijah. And no others will be allowed until the sounding of the last trumpet when Jesus comes back. See how, see how glorious Bunyan's theology is. There's more Bible and theology in these four sentences than in many sermons. And brothers and sisters, your theology is always best expressed when you speak about death and everlasting life. Then the pilgrims began to despair in their minds, and especially Christian. They looked this way and that way, but there was no alternative route that could be found by which they could avoid the river. And then they asked the men if the water was all of the same depth, and they replied no, but could offer no further help other than this comment. You will find it deeper or shallower according to your trust in the king of this place. So at this, the pilgrims, Christian and hopeful, resigned themselves to face the water. Upon entering, Christian began to sink, so that he cried out to his good friend, hopeful, I sink in deep water. The billows go over my head. All his waves go over me. And then hopeful replied, Be of good cheer, my brother, for I feel the bottom, and it is firm. And then said Christian, Oh, my friend, the sorrows of death have totally surrounded me so that I shall not see the land that flows with milk and honey. And with that, a great darkness and sense of horror fell upon Christian so that he could not see ahead of him.
and here to a large degree also lost his senses so that he was unable to remember or talk intelligently about any of those sweet refreshments that he'd experienced while traveling on pilgrimage. Rather, all of his present talk tended to reveal the present terror of his mind and the fear that he would perish in that river and never gain entrance into the celestial city. And brothers and sisters and true Christians, that can be their experience for a time. They become very afraid. Here also, those who were able to stand by observed that Christian was greatly troubled with thoughts about the sins that he had committed, both before and after he became a pilgrim. It was also noticed that he was disturbed with visions of demons and evil spirits. His words would reflect this over and over again, and therefore hopeful struggled here in his attempts to keep his brother Christian's head above water. Yes, sometimes Christian would seem to have sunk down for good, and then after a short while he would rise again, seeming half dead. Hopeful would also attempt to comfort him, saying, Brother, brother, I see the gate. I see men standing nearby to welcome us. But Christian would answer, It's you, it's you they're waiting for. You've been hopeful ever since I first knew you. And so have you, said Hopeful to Christian. Oh, brother, replied Christian, surely if I was right with the king, he'd come to my rescue. But on account of my sins, he's brought me to this snare just to abandon me. And then said Hopeful, my brother, you've quite forgotten the text where it speaks of the wicked. There's no pain in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not troubled as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. These troubles and distresses that you're experiencing in these waters are no indication God's abandoned you. Rather, they're sent to test you as to whether you will recall to mind evidences of his past goodness and now rely upon him in the midst of your present trials. Then... I saw in my dream that Christian was in deep thought for a while, so that Hopeful spoke to him further. Be of good cheer. Jesus Christ makes you whole. And with that, Christian explained with a loud voice, I see him. I see him again. And he tells me when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And then they both took courage, with the result that the enemy then became as still as a stone, the last enemy that you will ever face is death. Then they became still as a stone did death, until Christian and hopeful had fully crossed over. Therefore, Christian now discovered solid ground to stand upon, and so it followed that the rest of the river was found to be shallow, and thus they both crossed over. And you who trust in Christ, you will too. You will be able to say, O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, grave, where is your victory? I thank God I have the victory through Jesus Christ the Lord. And it will be in the consummation of the death experience that we'll learn the meaning, not that we are conquerors. See, a conqueror in the book of Revelation is someone who's already in glory. There's no more evil to face. But you'll learn the glorious experience that in Christ we are more 
than conquerors through him who loved us. A conqueror doesn't face evil anymore. The one who's more than a conqueror is the one who conquers through evil. And through the evil of death, and that's what it is, the Christian, those of you in Christ, just like Christian and hopeful, will both cross over. That's picture number one, children. Now the one that's mentioned in your little booklets that's there. New heavens and new earth will come after Jesus comes back. But when, before Jesus comes back, the soul of the believer is separated from the body, you go through the Jordan of death, uh, we enter into heaven. And Bunyan here in this section, which I want to read in its entirety, I cannot improve upon it. Bunyan, I think, has an eminently biblical view of angels. Because the angels escort Lazarus to be into the presence of God. And I think that when the scriptures say, are not the angels all ministering spirits sent forth to be ministers to those who shall be heirs of salvation? When is that better epitomized than when the angels accompany the Lord's elect ones to that salvation that's in eternity? I don't know. But I think that's right, and I think Bunyan's got it. So with that... And without further ado, as we think as we think about going home, here's Bunyan's description. Now upon the bank of the river on the other side, Christian and Hopeful again saw the two shining men, those are the angels, waiting to welcome them. Therefore, having come up out of the river, these men saluted and greeted them, saying, We are ministering spirits, sent forth to serve those who shall be heirs of salvation. And thus they proceeded toward the gate, gate of the celestial city. And now you should note that the city stood upon a mighty hill. I remember all the hills in Pilgrim's Progress, and it was kind of tough getting each of them. Well, they come to another hill. Though the pilgrims ascended that hill with ease, because they had these two men to lead them up by holding their arms, and they had left their mortal garments behind them in the river. For though they went in with them, yet they came out without them. The body remains still united with Christ, but the soul is now separated from the body. For they went in with their bodies, yet they came out of death without them. And therefore, they continue to climb here with much agility and speed, even though the foundation upon which the city was built was higher than the clouds. So they went up through the regions of the air, sweetly talking as they went being comforted because they had safely crossed the river and were being escorted by such glorious, glorious companions. Brothers and sisters, please think with me about the after-death experience of the believer. The conversations that they had with the Shining Ones was about the glory of the place, who told them that the beauty and the glory of it was simply inexpressible. They further explained that there is to be found Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels and the spirits of just people made perfect. And moreover, they explained, you're now going to the paradise of God in which you will see the tree of life and therefore eat of its never-fading fruit. I hope your children are drawing your pictures. And when you arrive there, you will be given white robes, and every day you will walk and talk with the king for all the days of eternity. 
There you will not see former things such as you saw when you inhabited the lower regions upon earth, that sorrow, sickness, affliction, and death. For these former things will have passed away. Rather, rather, you're now going to reside with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the prophets, men whom God took away from the evil to come, for they're resting upon their beds, each one walking in his righteousness. And then Christian and Hopeful asked, what will we be occupied with in such a holy place? Well, to this was given the answer there. You will receive the comfort that results from your toil and have joy in the place of your sorrow. You must reap what you've sown, even the fruit of all your prayers and tears and sufferings for the king all along the way. In that place, you wear crowns of gold. Hope you're drawing your pictures. And enjoy the perpetual sight and visions of the Holy One. For there, you will see him as he is. And there also you'll continually serve him with praise, with shouting, and with thanksgiving. That is he whom you desired to serve in the world, though with much difficulty on the account of the weakness of your flesh. But there your eyes will be delighted with seeing and your ears with hearing the pleasant voice of the Mighty One. There you'll enjoy your friends again. That is those who arrived before you. And there... You will also joyfully welcome everyone who follows after you into this holy place. And there you will be clothed with glory and majesty, and you will be appropriately equipped to ride forth with the king of glory. I hope you're drawing your pictures. When he shall come with the sound of trumpets in the clouds, this is Jesus' return at the last day, as upon the wings of the wind, well, you shall come with him. And when he shall sit upon the throne of judgment, you will sit next to him, yes. And when he shall pass sentence upon all the workers of iniquity, whether they be angels or men, you will also have a voice in that judgment. What an elevated picture of the last day. Because they were his and your enemies. And when... He shall again return to the city, Christ's return. You will go with him with the sound of trumpets, and you'll be with him forever. Now, while they were drawing near to the gate, behold, a company of the heavenly host came out to meet them. And to this multitude, the shining ones spoke, These, these are the ones who have loved our Lord when they were in the world, and they left all for his holy name. And he has sent us to fetch them, and thus far have we brought them on their desired journey that they may now, now, go in to look their Redeemer in the face with joy. And then that heavenly host gave a great shout, saying, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And at this time there also came to meet them several of the king's trumpeters, clothed in shining white apparel, who with loud, melodious voices made even the heavens to echo with their sound. These trumpeters saluted Christian and hopeful with 10,000 welcomes from the world, and this they did with shouting and sound of trumpets. That completed, they surrounded them on every side, some went ahead, some behind, some on the right hand, some on the left, as a guard through the upper regions continually sounding as they went with melodious noise in lofty notes. And so this sight appeared to any who could observe as if heaven itself had come down to meet them. And therefore they walked on together 
And as they walked, these trumpeters would often with joyful sound the composition of their music and looks and gestures signify to Christian and his friend just how welcome to them was their company and how happy they were to have met them. And now these two pilgrims were as if they were in heaven. In fact, before they came to it, being consumed with the sight of angels and the hearing of the melodious notes. And here also they were now finally able to view the city itself. And they thought they heard all the bells inside pealing to welcome them inside. But above all was their rapturous anticipation, the warm and joyful thoughts that they had about their dwelling there with such a heavenly company. And that forever and forever and forever. Oh, with what tongue or pen could their glorious joy be sufficiently expressed? And thus they came up to the gate. And when they come to the gate, there was inscribed over it in letters of gold, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they might have rightful access to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. And then I saw in my dream that the shining ones directed the pilgrims to call out at the gate, which having done so, some from above looked over the top, namely Enoch and Moses and Elijah. The angels then addressed them. These pilgrims have come from the city of destruction for the love that they have for the king of this place. And then each one of the pilgrims delivered up his scroll, that which he had received at the beginning. These, therefore, were brought before the king. But when he'd read them, said, Where are? Where are these men? In reply, it was explained, Why, they're standing outside the gate. And the king, and of course, this is Jesus, the king then commanded that the gate be opened, so that as he declared, the righteous nation that keeps the truth may enter in. And now I saw in my dream that these two men went in through the gate, and behold, as they entered, they were transfigured, and they were dressed with apparel that shone like gold. They were also met by those who gave them harps and crowns, the harps to add praise, and the crowns as token of honor bestowed upon them. And then I heard in my dream that all the bells in the city again rang out for joy, and that it was said to the pilgrims, enter, enter. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I also heard the men themselves sing, and that with loud voices, saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And now just, just as the gates were opened to let in the men, I, this is Bunyan now, Bunyan, I looked in after them, and behold, that city shone like the sun. The streets were paved with gold, and on them walked many, many people, men and women and boys and girls, with crowns on their heads, palms in their hands, and golden harps with which to sing praises. And also, among the inhabitants, there were those that had wings, the angels. And they responded in praise one to the other without ceasing, 
saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And after that, they closed the gates. And because of what I had seen of this glorious sight, I, that is John Bunyan, because of what I had seen of this glorious sight, I so wished myself to have been inside among them. And I hope you desire the same thing. See, when the Lord prepares you for heaven, he puts heaven into your heart. And when you have that desire for things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and you live for that, that's a great evidence that you're one of the Lord's children, regardless of your age. Margaret and I want to thank you for the time this week. Finally, my beloved wife gets the opportunity to see Southern California and representatives of the Presbytery of Southern California and the family camp of Southern California. And it has been for her, I know I can speak for you and for me, far, far more than we ever expected. This has been a, a great delight to fellowship with you, to feast with you. And our, remember, you don't eat your feast, foretaste of the marriage, supper of the Lamb, and also to be with the young people in those meetings. What a, what a priceless time with them. I have been so, so, ref- I'm exhausted, but I've been so refreshed by this time. And now the reason why Margaret and I need to clear out Len Sanchez is going to abscond with us this evening is because we have a 12.30 a.m. flight from LAX to JFK. We'll get it at 8.30 Eastern Time, God willing, at which time we will also be meeting Pastor Zacharias Abraham uh, because Zeki, Pastor Zeki, has had a very special place in the life of the Eritrean boy and his father who have been, a boy at least, who've been with us for his last year of high school. And as I was reflecting on that this week, because it'll be kind of a sad time for a Saturday when Sean and Emmanuel leave and head down to Richmond, Virginia after Sean being with us a year, what I was struck with was this. The Lord, for all of his people, has very personal pilgrims' progresses. Each of you has one. Young people, the questions that you are asking about your Christian life, that's part of your personal pilgrim's progress. And even with our rightly elevated view of the covenant, a biblical view of the covenant, remember at the end of the day, the Lord saves people individually, and he has individual pilgrim's progresses. For each one of you, God is writing a book called The Pilgrim's Progress for each of you in your Christian life. And the only thing I would say about that pilgrim's progress that God is writing for each of you is that whether it's hill difficulty you're going through or the slew of despond or doubting castle or the arbor of rest or the waters of Jordan, I can assure you, if you're in Christ, that that book of Pilgrim's Progress, God is writing with your name on it, I can assure you that everything about it is good. Because the author of that book, your Savior, is the one who has guaranteed the promise that all things work together for good. 
to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. I trust that you love God with all of your heart, strength, soul, and mind. You give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it'll be glorious in eternity in the great library of heaven's congress to read that pilgrim's progress that has your name on it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the lessons from the past. Thank you that you took a John Bunyan and over several years let him be in prison so that he would have the quiet that he needed so that he could sit and write, among other things, this book that we have delighted in in these past days. And our Lord, we ask that you would work in each one of us the faith of Christian, the faith of faithful, the faith of hopeful, so that in our pilgrimage we might not just walk, but walk in the Lord and make that progress from the city of destruction one step at a time to the celestial city. God, grant us the grace to that end, to save us, to keep us, to strengthen us when we are weak, to animate us when we just feel dead, to give us hope when we feel hopelessness, and to give us a bright picture of heaven when all around us seems dark. And Father, should Jesus tarry and we go through the Jordan of death, we ask our Lord that it will be not too deep into those waters before we say, I feel the bottom and it is good. And Lord, take us to that celestial city that will be infinitely more glorious even than what we have heard this evening. Do that to the glory of the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, to the honor of your own matchless name, and to the praise of the saving and keeping Holy Spirit. Bless all in this camp, all here, all families represented here, all loved ones represented here, all straying ones that we think of here. And, oh God, be abundant in your grace to bless us all and bring us at last to that place of rest, that great celestial city, where forever and ever and ever and ever our praise will be to the Lord of lords and King of kings, Jesus Christ. Amen.